Let's welcome Sarah Lackenbauer to the front. All right, to get the whole thing started, we're going to count down from five. But thereafter, as soon as the next person starts speaking, that next timer is just going to just gonna chase them down. All right, so you ready? Count down with me, if you can. Five, four, three, two, one. Sorry, guys. I'm going to fix the stand there. Um, okay, so as Andrew said, I sometimes help serve here with the uh, production team. So I help sing, lead worship. Uh, so you know that I'm musical. I also really love to paint. Sometimes I write. And I'm also learning a little bit about photography. One might say I'm artsy. <laughs> but creativity isn't just for artists or self-proclaimed artists. The, um, my favorite words in the Bible are actually the first five words. It's like a half of a verse. Um, in the beginning, God created. That's it. Those are my favorite five words. But to give us a little more depth, uh, I'm going to focus on two other verses here for us. I actually was looking through a different version of the Bible when I was looking at John 10. So I have a different version here for you. We're going to just look at the second half. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In Ephesians 2, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we've established that I'm artsy, but when I am overwhelmed at work, there is nothing that makes me feel more like I'm creating or I'm reflecting the image of God than when I take all of those projects and thoughts and everything that needs to get done and put it into a well-crafted to-do list. And all my admins said amen. amen. <laughs> um, so uh, to help us a little bit with understanding how a to-do list can be creative, I know most of Kalos loves a good rhyme, so I've got one here for us. There is no shame in what might seem mundane. Oh, man. So my job is coordinating a program at a university that helps train people to become psychologists. So me over-organizing all of my overwhelming thoughts enables me to serve my team better so that they can train students to help their clients who might also be overwhelmed. My to-do list might seem mundane, but it's not. There's a quote here from a blog um, written by Stephen Altroge, and I highly recommend the rest of the blog, but I can't remember the name of it. So if you want to take a picture and Google search it, you're welcome to. Um, when an accountant takes piles of raw data and fashions the data into meaningful sales report, they are reflecting the image of God. When a person works the raw soil and causes it to bring forth flowers and vegetables and herbs, they are reflecting the image of God. When an electrician corrals the wild, dangerous electrical currents into light bulbs, they are reflecting the image of God. When a writer assembles letters into sentences, sentences to paragraphs, and, pa and paragraphs into books, they are also reflecting the image of God. There are so many ways to be creative. And we've seen it over and over and over again in the Bible that no act is too small when done in worship. You and I, we are designed and created by and in the image of the ultimate creator. How often is it that we cultivate, arrange, rework, or observe something and you didn't realize it was creative? In that same vein, what, how many times do you compliment a friend on the way they see the world and do something about that that you find to be extremely creative and inventive, but they think that it's just normal? 
I guarantee you that your friends are thinking the same compliments about you that you give to them, about you, the way you see the world, the way you translate something into, into something real and something beautiful out of something completely ordinary. By creating my to-do list, I am living my life abundantly in the way that I was created to. God created everything in a specific order, as you read in Genesis, uh, and with firm foundations. But it was also created whimsical and colorful and ever-changing. All of it was created, even you, exactly as intended, to have life to the full, doing good works in which God prepared in advance for us to do. Yeah, give it up for Sarah. Well done. And keep that applause going for Tori. So the phrase abundant life at work could be a pretty polarizing statement. Uh, but God's goal through work is not to make you depressed or to serve bad people or even to turn you into Scrooge McDuck swimming through piles of treasure. Although he is there with you in those times. Um, he created you for a plan, and that plan is to shine light into darkness and bring beauty into the world, and part of this is through your work. So the scripture says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive his inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. But it doesn't always feel like that. I've been there. I've had that job uh, earlier in my career. I was given way more work than any of my colleagues, and I felt like I was mismanaged. Um, every Sunday night was miserable. I had that pit in my stomach, just bracing myself for what was to come. Um, I wound up so stressed that I had a night terror one night. I flailed out of bed on the way down. I smashed my head on my dresser. There was blood everywhere. It was crazy. This actually happened. Um, I wound up in the emergency room and had to get stitches, and all my friends said, you really need to get a better story for those stitches. Um, but it was the truth. What could I say? Um, I almost quit and moved entirely into a different field, but I'm glad that I did it. And God brought a man into my uh, work situation in the form of the new manager, and he helped me totally turn things around. Um, but, you know, ultimately, I did move on to a different job. I'm still in the same field. I've grown so much since then, and work is really a lot better now. Um, and regardless of what put me there, and I know that it was at least partially me, I had some growing to do, I know that God was still proud of me, and he was still there with me throughout the whole time. So that brings me to my first point. While you are hard at work, God loves your heart at work. And... God is pleased with excellence, but the Bible isn't talking about results when it says work is for the Lord. God wants your heart in the workplace just like he wants your heart in every other area of your life. And our imperfections are beautiful to God. All of creation is imperfect, and that's what makes it perfect. Look at the mountains. Look at the wildflowers and the forests. It doesn't have straight edges. It's not clean. It has blemishes. Um, it, it's not even permanent, but it all sings praise to a wonderful creator and enriches our lives. Um, I don't feel like I'm in my perfect job, but I enjoy when I'm able to accomplish something and uh, when I can reflect Jesus through integrity and in what I'm doing, um, that brings me joy. God led me here and I'm satisfied. 
And that's enough. And what you do is enough. It pleases God and can make life better for everyone around you. So don't give up. We need people with your heart fighting in the workplace for humanity and our fellow man and fighting for God's kingdom. So as we look at our hearts and as we look to God, uh, he might be trying to tell us right now that we need to be more than a critic in our workplace. Maybe we need to be a part of the solution. And he'll aid you if you look to his help. That brings me to my other point, which is God provides abundance at work through growth. Growth can be uncomfortable. Ask any tall person what it was like as a teenager. (laughs) Chin splints, not a lot of fun. But ultimately, God designed us to be filled in part through growth. I grew so much in that bad work situation. Don't be so busy that you forget to take a step back and observe what God is doing in your life. And this isn't just about professional development. The fruit of the Spirit grows when you're following God. Um, And if you're not familiar with the verses, that means love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the source of this is is God, not work, and therefore this fruit can grow even in the most challenging and unfertile of work situations. Back to being part of the solution, sometimes we feel too loyal to leave. Uh, But if you've grown all you can in your environment and tried everything to improve things, the solution might be to move on. I know many of you are working hard, and I bet that some of you are thinking, man, I've tried, I've done everything, but I just don't know if I can keep going. So I want to encourage you, give it your best, but then don't forget to rest. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. God showed us this model for work in the Old Testament. He created for six days, and then he stepped back to enjoy what he had made. And he wants the same thing for you in your life. This is the natural ebb and flow. Our mind, body, and spirit need that time to heal. It's not an exact formula. For me, a hike or chilling in a coffee shop can be really restorative. Um, I know a lot of you are doing things on the weekend, too. A lot of you are serving in church. And so Sunday might not actually be the Sabbath for some of you. You might need to dedicate a separate time, actually plan it out, put it in your calendar so that you can do those activities that are physically, emotionally, creatively, and spiritually refilling for you. And be with those people that you can do that for each other. Um, And God wants for you to be able to reflect on what you have done. He's proud of you. So it's okay. You can slow down. So uh, wrapping up here, while you are hard at work, God loves your heart at work. It's not about the results that we deliver, but the intent behind what we do. And God provides abundance through growth. He can equip you for any situation, uh, especially when we align our desires with his desires. And when you've been working hard all week and giving it your best effort, there is great satisfaction in resting in God and be happy with what you created. Yeah, Tori! And give it up for Renee! Hi, everyone. I am a licensed psychologist, like Andrew said, and I, 
First of all, I want to bring in a little bit of psychology in this. There's something called a primacy recency effect. So you think about watching a movie, you tend to remember the beginning and the end and not so much the middle. And so I'm in the middle. So I'm going to ask you to really pay attention so you don't forget what I have to say. Thank you very much. Uh, so the verse that I want to start off with is Psalms 147.3, which is, He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. So... When I was asked originally to talk about mental health in five minutes, that is quite a daunting <laughs> tall order, right? Um, but if I had one message, it'd be this, and I'm going to do it under five minutes. We all come from brokenness. We live in a broken world, right? There's no one of us that's never experienced brokenness, trauma, loss, heartache, a broken relationship. And so what I find is that if those broken experiences are unprocessed, they remained unprocessed, that's what wrecks um, havoc in our life. So I think about a ball, analogy of a ball filled with air, and we just want to push it under the water, and we just want to pretend it's going away, but the more we push, the more pressure builds, and then it starts splashing, it starts disrupting our life. And I really see that with, uh, for example, depression or anxiety or addiction, sometimes, not always, sometimes they're symptoms coming out of unprocessed pain, right? So when I think about what Jesus did and he's giving us abundant life, that's his promise, he really wants to give us abundant life in our heart and our mind, right? That's truly what it is. And so it's not a very instant type of healing, though. It's a process. It's a journey. It takes courage and faith to face what's there. It might be scary to even look there. And, and you know, sometimes you have to work with a therapist or a friend or community to start connecting the dots, start processing and grieving the past, and, and then actually finding freedom, renewal of the mind and finding freedom. I like this quote. This talks about how the wound may not be our fault, right? Many times we are hurt because hurt people hurt other people. And that's why I'm so passionate about people healing uh, and going through that process because we break that cycle, right? And, and we break that cycle when we take responsibility for our own healing. So I, I end our time with this. My challenge to you, is there something that remains unresolved in your life? Is there something that you need courage to face or to take care of? Maybe your mental health, maybe your relational health, maybe your emotional health. It may be something from the past or the present, right, where, where it's really bringing to your attention it needs to be attended to. So with that, I hope you remember my middle of the five and five. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> All right. And let's give it up for Kirsten. All right. Uh, does abundant life exist among the orphan and the poor? Um, for those of you who don't know, I work for an organization called Lightbridge International. And actually, my boss and her husband are here today, which is really awesome. Yeah. Um, so we work in underdeveloped communities in Southeast Asia. And so our heart and our mission is really to change the cycle of poverty um, and establish sustainability within those communities. And so 
We do that a number of ways. We do that through um, orphan care and orphanages, through education and through job creation. And so it's my full-time job. And so I'm spending my time either actually in Cambodia on the ground working with the orphan and the poor, um, or I'm here in the States advocating on their behalf. And so in the last year and a half that I've been with Lightbridge, I have seen a lot. I've seen a lot of darkness. I've seen a lot of destruction and brokenness. Um, and in that... It's led me to the question, God, does abundant life even exist? Does abundant life exist here? Um, and so I, I, after I ask that question, I kind of take a step back and I say, well, God, if I'm not seeing abundant life here, um, and that's something that you've promised to all people, it's in the Bible, the Bible's not exclusive, it's all inclusive, so he's called everybody to abundant life, and so if I'm not seeing it, God, you must have a different perspective, a different idea about abundant life than I do. So John 10.10 in the New Living Translation says this. It says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And I think what's interesting about this is that we so often see the first part of the scripture in the life of the orphan and the poor. It's very obvious that there's destruction, that things have been killed and stolen and destroyed in the lives of the orphan and the poor, but I just want to draw attention to the second half of the scripture, because if the first half is true, then so is the second half, and God has called the orphan and the poor to abundant life, um, and so there's a difference, though, between material wealth and spiritual wealth, and I think living in the United States and living in a place like this, it's really, really easy to equate abundant life with material wealth, with the things that we have, and so I just want to make a point to say that you can have all the material wealth in the world, but if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are never going to have abundant life. It's just not possible. It's not going to happen. Um, and so just on the flip side of that, on the positive side, is that if you do have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you're lacking that material wealth, you have everything that you could ever need. And so I've seen this time and time again when I'm in Cambodia working with these people is that you meet somebody who has absolutely nothing, but they have a relationship with Jesus, and there's something different about them, and there's something different about their life. And so we have a job creation program. It's called Landmine Design. And the women who come into our program before they come in are typically not Christians. Um, they live on a former minefield, and they have no running water, no electricity, um, no material wealth by any definition of the word. Um, but they come into our program, they meet Jesus, and uh, they get discipled, and they have the opportunity to come into a relationship with Jesus. And when they do that, their lives are completely changed. They learn how to pray over their children, and even though maybe they don't have access to medicine, they lay hands on their kids and they're healed. And so we're seeing Jesus change their lives. It's not because they have material wealth, it's because they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so... What I want to challenge you with today is, would you shift your perspective about what abundant life really is? Would you, would you let the orphan and the poor be your example um, for what it is? And I ask myself this question often. If I lost it all today and all I had was Jesus, would that be enough for me? Would I still believe the promise of abundant life? Because there are so many people who are in countries all over the world, like Cambodia, who are living in darkness in lack and in poverty, but they have abundant life because they have relationship with Jesus. So, Wow. Man. All right. Let's keep that going for Ty. All right. That right there. 
Um, I, I love dogs and I uh, love petting dogs and they're great. Um, I just love them and uh, I, I love their paws and um, that's what we're going to do right now. We're just going to take a quick pause. Uh, are, are you, man, this is so rich today. Like, it is so good. Like, I'm just sitting there and I'm just like, I feel like crying. It's just so rich on the inside. So let's, let's just take 10 seconds and, and pause. You can close your, your eyes if you want. But like, what's the Lord speaking to you? What's, what's getting stirred up in you? So, yeah, Lord, uh, we, just, we just wait on you. And I just want to say, you know, I feel like some of us, we're working really hard, and we, we keep working, and um, I just want to let you know that like, God loves you, you know, and uh, I feel like I just see this upcoming week, it's going to place people in your lives who are just going to just really show you that love in a tangible way, you know, you are enough. Well, I'm Ty Hansen, I am so um, honored and excited to talk to you about the theme of life abundantly in pain. And um, when I saw this topic, they're like, this is where you're going to speak on. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. I was like, yes. And um, because I'm going to be sharing some, some personal stories, um, I thought it'd be fitting to, to call this time story time. <laughs> All right. Thank you for 90% courtesy claps. Thank you. All right. Um, if anyone knows this song, uh, take a look. It's in a book. It's reading rainbow. <laughs> I'm obviously not on the worship team, praise God. Well, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a look in the book right now, and that is the Bible. So let's take a look. Uh, uh, this, uh, Psalm 23, this is the Psalm of David. Um, if, if you haven't heard me speak, I'm a little, I'm a little all over the place, but you know, it's, a, it's okay, I think. All right, uh, Psalm 23, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes, some translations say, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Wow, that is powerful. He restores our soul. Well, nine to 10 years ago, God restored my soul. Uh, I was going through a season of just serious pain I was sad, like, all the time internally. Like, I'd go, to church, I'd go to work, and no one would know, but internally, I just felt really sad and devastated. And kind of like uh, what Renee was speaking on, um, this, this, you know, you're pushing, like, a balloon or a... Uh, I can't remember what it was, but pushing the ball thing <laughs> and the water down. <laughs> it's popping up, popping up. Um, I felt like what was coming up for me were things that I had buried that I was unaware of for years, for actually decades, I had these feelings of um, abandonment and um, rejection, uh, anger, like serious anger that I was unaware of, um, hurt. Uh, I'd have so, um, you know, self-condemnation and, and self-hatred even. Um, so I, I'd feel that. And through a process of two to three years, um, through um, counseling, through friends, through relationships, prayer ministry, all of the above, like God really healed me, restored, and refreshed my soul. And today I just want to talk to you about two events that, that really impacted me in that season. And the first was 
a hug from a friend. Hug from a friend. Um, Jay and I, um, my twin brother, he, uh, MCJ. <laughs> MCJ, he's a rapper. See him at Christmas time, man, that guy. Um, and uh, so we lived in a house uh, in Bellevue uh, with, uh, in total, five guys. And of course, we loved burgers. And fries. Okay, and fries. And fries. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Uh, there was one day I was actually feeling really sad, really low. Um, I don't know if you've been there, but you know, like your mood is just like the weather in Seattle. Uh, it gets gray a lot, and um, I was just sad. And um, my friend Stuart was home, so I kind of had this idea. I'm like, I could ask Stuart for a hug. And I, I hadn't done this before. Um, you know, I usually go, What's up, man? Hey, yo. And the, but uh, I felt like I just, my heart really needed care and just like healthy touch. And so I get out of my room, I'm walking down the hall and I see Stuart in the hall and I just kind of mumble. I'm like, hey Stuart, um, hey, can I get a hug? <laughs> and then he's like, he's like, what? He's like, he's like, what? I'm like, oh, dang it, I've got to say it again. I'm like, I, and I, just, I, just, I just let him have, I just let him know I'm like, I'm just really struggling. I'm struggling right now, and I could just use a hug. And he's like, sure, okay. And so he just held me, and he hugged me. We're in the middle of the hall, and um, he held me for what seemed like 20 seconds. <laughs> Seriously. It, it, it was like, whoa, it's awkward. You know, externally looking at it, it's pretty awkward, but internally, I felt so warm. I felt so taken care of. There are parts of my heart that just needed to f like affection and love. And, and what that showed me was um, that by taking just even a small step, an awkward step, <laughs> of asking a friend for a hug, like that's, you know, my healing was in that. Like, like God was using my friend to help bring care and healing to my heart. Um, and it, it took, yeah, just that step. Um, the second event that really made an impact. <laughs> Actually, I'm gonna get some water. And that's always impactful daily. <laughs> right. um, so I was at church, and it was the presence of God. Presence of God. And I was at church, I was at a church I didn't normally attend, and I go to the front, there's like a call like, hey, if you want prayer, come up to the front. I'm like, yeah, I, I need prayer. So I go to the front, and um, I just lift my hands up, and I just start feeling, like, the presence of God on my arms. It, it was just powerful. Like, his goodness. I don't know if you've ever kind of experienced that. It was just, like, so good and pure on my arms. What's significant about that is in that season, uh, three or four, th three years or so, every now and then I'd feel these impulses in my, my left vein. It would be like... Like a, like a pulse, like a, I would, the best way I could describe it is like a self-harm or suicidal pulse in my veins. I would just feel it every now and then. And it felt like shame. And um, I never made any plans to do self-harm or anything, but I would feel it. So back to church, I'm at the front, and I'm just praising God, feeling his presence. And I just feel like the Holy Spirit, like in my veins and filling my veins with his goodness and I just felt like that shame or whatever it was, I, I seriously felt, I, I'm like, it's not here anymore. It's so weird. Yeah, yeah, hey. Hey, hey, yeah, hey, hey, hey. I mean, whoa, whoa. 
Um, and so that's what happened. It was, it was nuts. And afterwards, I felt joyous. I felt light. I felt restored. Um, so if there's some of you who, who are struggling, um, you know, I, I, I know what that's like uh, to a degree. I just want to say that, like, you're going to get through this. I want to encourage you um, to just make even a small step. I don't know what that looks like for you, but just a small step, maybe a crying out to God, journaling, reaching out to a therapist, counselor, talking to some of our, our great leaders here. So I just want to, I'm just going to declare, like, bravery and courage over you. I'm also going to declare wisdom, and you're going to know who you should talk to and who are safe places for you as well. Um, there is life, abundance, and pain. Thank you. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Hey, let's just give it up for all five of these incredible people. Oh, man. I think we were... Everybody here was just so, so blessed by everything that you guys had to say. Thank you so much for the time that you have put into this. We are, I feel like some lives are never going to be the same because you put in this effort. So as they stand up and, and, uh, and exit the stage, can we just give it up for them one more time? One more big round of applause. Wow, wow. Well, hey, we realize that, uh, that maybe some people in this room are, are listening to us talk about abundant life and how big of a deal we're, we're, we're making about Jesus. And, and you might be sitting there thinking, man, I, something's clicking with me this morning, and, and I want that abundant life that, that you're talking about. And, and I, maybe, maybe I've, I've heard about this and I've thought about this, but maybe today is the day that you need to make a decision to actually dedicate your life towards this direction. So I want to I give everybody just a chance to kind of respond to what we've been listening to this morning. So I want to make it a more private moment. So if we could just bow our heads and close our eyes. And, and what I'm going to do is, is if in this moment today you, you feel like, I need to make this decision. I need to follow Jesus. I want, a, I want a little bit of that abundant life that you've been talking about today. What I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. And, and if that's you, I just want to ask you to lift up your hand. Just quickly lift it up so we can see it, and then you'll be able to put it back down. But what you're doing by lifting your hand is saying, I want something to be different from this day forward. And what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start following Jesus and, and, and what you're talking about today. I want to be a part of this. So I'm going to count to three and just raise your hand if that's you, if you feel that tug on your heart this morning. Are you ready? One, two, three. Go ahead and lift that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else here? Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. It's not too late. Anybody else here feel like they just need to follow Jesus? All right, you can put your hands down. Why don't we lift up uh, our eyes? And, and what we're going to do is, is together as a church, we're going to say a prayer. It's not a magic spell or, or, or anything. Uh, it's, just a, it's just some words that we put together that kind of describe what this moment is. And, and believe it or not, every single person in this room needs to have a moment like this consistently because we all mess up. And, and this is just a powerful moment for us all uh, to dedicate our lives to Jesus. But it's specifically the three people 
I saw your hands go in the air. I just, I just encourage you, read these words and mean them with everything in your heart because we want to do this journey together with you. So we're going to read it all at the same time. Are you ready? Here we go. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, let's give it up for three people that wanted to dedicate their lives to Jesus. That's amazing. That's why we're here this morning.